Today is Mother's Day. There was a time years ago now that I would be strict in my keeping with my schedule of preaching. And something like Mother's Day, I wouldn't pause. And I read this book by a pastor named Martin Lloyd-Jones called Preaching and Preachers. He was a pastor in England in the middle part of last century, middle 1900s. And I forget exactly how he said it, but I remember it as, you would be a fool not to take an opportunity when the whole world is talking about certain things to tell what God has said about them. And I thought, yeah, I think I might have been a fool. And so I try, I don't always remember, but I try to remember the things the world is talking about on individual days. Um, and so today is Mother's Day. The whole world is talking about mothers. People who are pagans and hate God call their mothers today, send cards in the mail. It's a, a, I don't know if it's still true, but I imagine it's still fairly true. One of the busiest mail days in the, in the United States is this weekend. Mother's Day cards. One of the busiest phone days in the world is today. Um, people calling their mothers. Um, and it's good that people do that, even people who are wicked and have no love of God in their heart, to express something to the fact that motherhood is good, pleases God. Um, And we're here this morning to hopefully do a significantly better job than a pagan at honoring mothers and motherhood and fruitfulness from God. So let's pray this morning and then we'll go to our text. Father, thank you so much for your love for women and for mothers and spiritual mothers, physical mothers, biological mothers, adopted mothers, whatever the case may be, Father, we know that you receive honor from that. We pray, Father, that our church will be full of good mothers who love you and honor you. We pray for fruitfulness beyond our imagination in our church. We thank you and we pray this in the name of your good son, Jesus, who died and rose again. Amen. So, I'm sticking in... The Timothys, but I've switched to Second Timothy this morning. Um, so Second Timothy, chapter one, starting at verse three. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God's word is good and true in every single instance. And here you have Paul writing to Timothy at the church in Ephesus, a second letter. And here we get to know a little bit more about this man named Timothy and specifically about his mother and his grandmother. Now, if you remember back, you know, this has been a while, months ago when I began preaching in Timothy... Um, that I made reference that Timothy appears in the book of Acts, and so does his church in Ephesus in Acts 16 and Acts 20. 
And here is where Timothy appears in the book of Acts. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and has circumcised him because of the Jews in that place. So in Acts 16, we know that his mother, who we don't know her name in Acts, is a believing Jew. She was a Jew who believed. Now, that doesn't mean she was just a Jewish woman ethnically. I mean, she believed in the Messiah, and specifically, by the time we're, we're in Acts 16, she must have believed in Jesus, the Messiah, knew him to be the Savior of the world. And so, we learn then in 2 Timothy that it wasn't just Eunice, his mother, that believed, but it was also his grandmother, Lois, who was a believer. And Timothy's father was, in Acts 16, re- referred to as a Greek Um, And he was raised as a Greek in some aspect because he was not circumcised with his mother's line. He was kept uncircumcised, didn't side with the the Jews when he was raised. And so, you know, speculation here, but I imagine that Timothy wasn't a young convert if he had not been circumcised. So he was not a, a man who stuck with his mom's faith until a little bit of age had surpassed probably. And yet the honor and privilege of his mother and his grandmother declaring the gospel to him. And here, again, in 2 Timothy, we we know what it was that they taught him. Um, This is chapter 3, verse 14 of 2 Timothy. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he begins the letter by saying, Timothy, I think of you and I pray for you and I'm reminded of your faith that first was in your grandmother Lois and then in her daughter Eunice and now is in you. And then later when he talks about the goodness of the word of God, he says, remember not only the word but remember from whom you learned it. It is an important aspect of Timothy's life and ministry in Ephesus to remember the fact that it was his mother and his grandmother who taught him the faith. It wasn't just important to know the faith, but from whom you have learned it, Timothy, your mother. Now, motherhood... I'm not a mother, is unique because it is for women. And I know it seems like a foolish thing, and I know most of you think, well, yes, Joe. But we live in such a strange age that many, many seem to think that that is not a thing. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, I was reminded of it. Who was it that brought it up yesterday, Train? Was it you, Greg? The birthing people? People? Yeah, there's, so there's this new thing, apparently, where we refer to birthing people instead of mothers or women, or females. It's this gender-neutral ridiculousness. Um, women are unique. You are unique. God made you a woman with a womb. 
Because he wanted you to be a woman with a womb. And whether he gave you children or not, you are a woman and a mother if you love God and you love his people. And it doesn't matter if a child ever came from your womb. This is, uh, there's a song that uh, the guys up at Trinity Reformed in Bloomington wrote a few years ago now on part of this. Uh, and on, on the Wednesday afternoon Bible studies, you guys just finished 1 Corinthians 10. It's okay, you're still in 1 Corinthians 10. Um, and you remember, okay, yeah, you remember this, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 11. Um, This section, that's a little confusing. You're going to get into it this week, the head covering section. I'm going to leave Rick to all the hard work this week, but I'll introduce a few things. Um, That, uh, let's see, I want to read in verse 8. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Right. So this is the reference to Adam and Eve in the garden. That Adam was there, God put him to sleep to make a helper suitable for him, took a rib from Adam's side, formed and fashioned the woman and then put them together and said, man and woman shall never be apart. Right? This is, God has joined them. Man was not made from woman, but woman from man. And neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. So there is a directional aspect to relationship in marriage. And then further on, this is where I'm going to spend most of my focus from this text. Nevertheless, in the Lord... Woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so now man is born of woman. This theme of birth is constant in Scripture. It it begins all the way back. Eve gets her name because she is called the mother of all the living. That's what her name means. She is a mother. That is her title. It's her thing. It belongs to women to be mothers. And this song that these guys wrote, it's a children's song meant to teach our kids who are growing up in this crazy world that men and women are different and that it's good. And so I'm going to sing a little bit of it. Man's not the glory of the woman, but the woman is the glory of the man. Men and women are men and women aren't the same. If oh wait, I'm, I skipped a line. Let me start over. <laughs> man's not the glory of the woman. Woman is the glory of the man. Both were made to make give their maker glory, and by being who he wants, they surely can. Men and women aren't the same. If they were, it'd be a shame. I know it can be hard to understand, but man's not the glory of the woman. Woman is the glory of the man. And that's like a very simple thing, and yet we just forget it all the time. That there are things that belong to women, to mothers, that don't belong to men. And it's good. It's good. God made us male and female. He did not make us many. He didn't make us one. He made us two. Two. Men and women are not the same. And if, it were, if they were, it'd be a shame. Later on in the song, he says, uh, and, if there was, and if there was a baby, woman had him. No other baby bearers could be found. If there was a baby, a woman had him. 
No other baby bearers could be found. Now I'm going to read another chunk that we have actually, I've actually preached on. It's from 1 Timothy. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Likewise also, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly and with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now, Faith, love, holiness, self-control. The end of the first passage I read in 2 Timothy, where Paul says, I remember the faith that dwells in you, also dwelt in your mother and your grandmother, ends with, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So if women have children who endure in faith and love and self-control, and Paul says, don't be timid, have faith, don't fear, have power and love and self-control. That Paul is linking mothering, motherhood, to the spreading of the gospel and to specifically the growth of the gospel in Timothy. That without his mother and his grandmother, there would be no Timothy. There would be no first and second Timothy. We would not have these letters. That these women were vital to the ministry of the gospel to us today, that we owe these particular mothers honor, that they're in our lineage. They are, in some aspect, our ancestors. They are with us today in faith. Motherhood is not an easy thing. And I'm going to talk about physical motherhood a little bit, but we're going to talk about it in a spiritual sense because some of you don't have children of your own, physically. Motherhood is difficult. The curse made it difficult. Now with pain you shall bear children. As part of Eve's curse. Your pain will increase with childbearing. And the pain is not just the moment of conception or, or, or the moment of birth. It, it's the nine months leading up. There's lots of pain and difficulty in bearing a child physically. But then also, think of what also has to occur even before the moment of conception. A man and a woman have to bear with one another, live together with one another as a married couple before a child is to be born. Now, obviously, children are born without that happening. But if a woman is godly and she's doing as God would have her, the difficulty of childbearing occurs even before she conceives because she has to endure with another sinner in order to have children. Now, the same is reversed, right? A man has to endure with his wife, who is a sinner. But a woman's childbearing, the pain of it starts when she decides, I'm going to be married to a man who is a sinner so that I might bear children. So the pain of childbearing is not just the moment of birth. It begins whenever a woman decides to marry a man. And you could argue it probably starts before then, but let's keep it there for a moment. 
So then conception happens, nine months of difficulty in childbearing. My wife particularly gets carpal tunnel, although this pregnancy it's been much less, but she's often had to wear braces for several months because her wrists hurt so bad from carpal tunnel. I didn't, obviously, I had no idea this was a thing that could happen to a woman who was pregnant. Why in the world do your bones hurt in your wrists when everything seems to be centered around the middle section? I don't know. This is part of the curse. It's difficult to bear a child. Okay, so now the moment of birth. There's another song by Andrew Peterson um, that he has a woman sing, but he wrote it. And it's, it was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. Just think of the difficulty of what, it would, what birthing is and the fact that Mary, the mother of Jesus, the mother of our Lord and Savior, had to endure. It wasn't a unique birth. It was still painful and awful and bloody and terrible. And we don't get to get into all the details, but you all know this. There is a reason why we do it in a hospital most of the time these days. It's a dangerous thing to bear children. Okay? So now, moving on. The pain does not stop at birth. So it didn't start at birth. It didn't start at conception. It started long before that. It does not end at birth. Lots of pain. Any of you who are parents know this. Pain does not stop until you're dead for your children. And it doesn't matter if they're believers or not. There's always going to be pain associated with your children. You want this. They want that. You think it's a bad decision. Pain. This is the whole rest of a mother's life. Bearing children. Bearing children. It's what you do. I talk to you. I know. It doesn't matter how old you are. I sit in your living room and you tell me the pain you have for your children. It doesn't end. It's lifelong. Motherhood then, when Paul writes to Timothy and says... Therefore, she will be saved through childbearing. He's not just talking about birth. He's talking about the whole of womanhood. The whole thing. The whole, the whole mess of it is what a woman is saved for and through. It's how she learns to bear up under the cross that God has given her in being a woman. You were made a woman because God wanted you to endure that cross for that time for the rest of your life. So that you would be made more like our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of it. You were made a woman so that you might be saved. And that, so that you might preach the gospel and have others be saved. And that's really the, the push of what Paul is talking about here. That I've talked about the spiritual pain of childbearing. So, or not this. I've talked about the physical pain of childbearing so far. But the spiritual pain of birthing is just as intense, if not more so. Because it's not enough to just have a baby physically and keep them alive with food and shelter. The point, the point of having children, if we are Christian, is to raise believers who love the Lord. We don't just have children and then just kind of Whatever takes place, the point of motherhood is to raise godly children. 
And so then we get into the spiritual aspect, which is significantly more intense. Significantly more intense. I guarantee if I sat down and asked any of you mothers, if you would trade a thousand birthing experiences for the pain of an unbelieving child, you would. You would give birth a thousand times over physically if your child would believe. A thousand times over. And so there is no greater pain in this world than childbearing. Spiritually. And this is what we honor you for. Because you endure it. You endure it. And more than that, you proclaim your faith in it. You have done work that you were made by God to do. It's difficult to even begin to know what our spiritual parents mean to us, whether they're biological, our actual mother and father, or not. Our spiritual parents may be friends of ours who we grew up with, who introduced you to the church. They may be your biological parents. They may be grandmas who bring you to church and your parents don't. The difficulty of bearing spiritual children on a mother is intense. She feels it down in her bones. You feel it down in your bones. And so here's Timothy, this kid who is half Greek, whose mom, we don't know what led to the decision for a Jewish woman to marry a Greek. We don't know. We can speculate that any number of things may have occurred for that to have happened, right? Lots of women marry men who are not what they thought, turn out to be different than they thought. And yet, here is Timothy's mother and grandmother in difficult situation, a Greek who clearly, according, like, there is no inkling that Timothy's dad believed. He's called a Gentile. His mom is called a believer. He's uncircumcised. Probably not a believer. Probably was a very difficult marriage. Probably was very difficult to raise a child in any way that could be called godly or hopeful. And did it. And it dwelt in them. Their faith dwelt in them. And it's interesting that Paul ends this little section saying, Paul, Timothy, I remember the faith that was in your grandmother and your mother. He knows them. And he ends it by saying to Timothy, God gave us a spirit not of fear. And a couple chapters later, he says, remember who you learned it from. What is he implying here? He's implying that his mother and his grandmother were not women of fear. They didn't live their lives in fear of failure. They didn't live their lives in fear of their children not Believing, They didn't live their lives in fear of a thousand things. Um, we see this kind of encouragement given to women by Peter as well. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3. And you are her children, meaning Sarah's children, Abraham and Sarah, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, That's the thing to hold on to. And it's the thing I I want you to grab a hold of this morning as a mom. 
It is a frightening thing to bear spiritual children. Some of you have that hope for your own children, but all of you should have hope for the children of this church. Rick's prayer this morning for our children, that's your prayer. Your motherhood is vital to the health and longevity of this church, whether you have biological children or not. If you embrace the fearful task of mothering, we have every hope that there will be many Timothys that arise out of, out of this place. We have every hope. And it's not because it's not fearful. Paul, Peter's message to mothers is not, don't be afraid, it's not that scary. It's not what he says. Don't fear anything that is frightening. And Paul or Peter there is talking about a woman who has married a bad guy. Now we tend to think what it means is only just like an abusive sort of guy or a guy who's not a Christian. But think of the downstream effects of marrying a guy who's not a Christian. The effect it has on your kids. The effect it has on your grandkids. That the fearful thing for a woman is not necessarily, I'm afraid that my husband is going to strike me. It's, I'm afraid that my husband's disbelief, unbelief, agnosticism, atheism is going to destroy my children. That's the most fearful thing that you can endure. And we have it, right? So we have it personally. Some of you deal with it very personally in your own families. But now let's broaden it out to the city of Jasper, to our children in this city. There are very few in this room, right? We have eight, nine, nine on the way. The number of children in this city who have no spiritual mother is staggering. How do I know this? Because many, many mothers are not in church at this very moment. They have abandoned their children spiritually. What do we have here? We have you, women of our church, who are here. And your job is not just to be a biological mother. Your job is to be a mother. Of any of us, of me, of the other folks in our church, of our children, of the other kids who walk through these doors. And so I'm encouraging you this morning not to just think of your own family, but to think of the whole wide world of Jasper, Indiana. We have a hope here, I think, that God will, by his grace, grow this little church. You have, you mothers, have the necessary ingredients. You do. We are not lacking here. We are not lacking We have the women in this church who have not feared the frightening thing. Continue to do it. Continue to be faithful. This is what faithful godliness in women looks like. Right? I read it earlier. I'm going to read it to you again. Likewise also, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty 
and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. You are a mother here at this church if you're a woman. You are my mother. You are everyone else's mother. And you have quiet, godly dignity about you. It's vital. It's vital. What do we need to do as church? We don't just need to recognize the fact that some of you have given birth to biological children. Although that is good and you should be honored for it. You are a mother here for us, for anyone who walks through that door. Don't neglect your gift. You have something that no man could ever be for anyone who comes in here. You have motherhood to offer. And here's the beauty about motherhood. It's meant to be fruitful. It's meant to be fruitful. You're a mother of this church. Just like Eve, the mother of all the living. And what is the duty of a mother? To bear children. To bear children. And it will be painful. And it will be hard. And it will be frightening. You will have times where you will doubt. You will have times where it doesn't seem like anything is going to work. And I imagine... That over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years here, as the church has ebbed quite low, that those frightening times have happened. But God loves mothers. That's why he gave Eve to Adam. What was the whole, not the whole point, but one of the points of Eve to Adam? It was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And wouldn't God delight to do it again? To fill the earth with godly seed. Christians, believers. Because we have mothers who are faithful. Who love it. Who love their children. Who give themselves up for it. Who cry and weep when they don't come. I know you. You have it. God gave it to you when he made you in your mother's wombs. To be mothers. Remember this. Don't forget it. We neglect all kinds of people in this world. I neglect all kinds of people in this world. Even if you're neglected, continue to do the hard work of mothering. It's worth it. God will honor it. You are precious in his sight. This is the good work of mothering. It is... For the hope of the fruit of somebody like Timothy. The faith dwelt in Lois and Eunice and now dwelt in Timothy. And now we have 2,000 years later fruit. Fruit from the wombs of two women who we know the names of. That's unbelievable. You know, Daryl is our resident ancestry guy, Right? He knows everything on his history, I'm fairly certain, back to the times of Judea. But, but, why does he love to know these things? To give them honor and respect. Know where he came from, where, where people 
made sacrifices so that he might have what he has. You might not have a memory of these things. I have some of those and many that I wish I could remember, that I've forgotten, that I've just not paid attention to. Be working to be a memory that we love and cherish. And we say it's because of this and that, by that woman taking care of that person so that they might come to Christ. And I have all the faith in the world that you can do it. I might have only been here about a year, and Sarah and I might have only been here about a year in this pulpit. But there's a reason this church has not died. Well, there are two reasons. One is it's full of mothers. And the second is it's full of fathers. Our church has everything that many, many other churches do not have. Mothers and fathers. Lots of churches could wish they had the sort of mothers and fathers we have. They don't. They have people who are flippant and do not care. They have people who have suffered little. They have people who have no idea the frightening thing that would endu- they would have to endure if they would actually care about the souls of the people in front of them. You have it. Continue to do it. I have faith that God will enable you to continue on for many years doing these things. And I also have faith that God will give us fruit here in Jasper. The fruit of your wombs. So that's my message this morning. I hope it was encouraging. I hope it was a little bit painful. Because I want to remind you that you have already endured much. You've already endured much. You can continue to endure until God calls you home. Because he will give you strength. He loves you very much. He loves you enough to die. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much.